wish that you enforced your harassment clause, but weren't totally sure how to go about that? Well, I think we've all been there. So let's talk about it. Welcome to the Refined Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you. Welcome back to another episode of the Refined Podcast. Today, we were talking about that good old-fashioned harassment clause that I hope each of you have in your contract. And if you don't, then hop on over to Braden Drake's Content Club and grab his contract templates. And it's like $30, super easy to grab, sold on a a volume-based model. So you've got a great price point there. He's got a harassment clause in there for you. So grab that put it in your contract. Essentially, a harassment clause needs to include things like being yelled at, names, um, racial slurs, uh, bigoted comments, um, incessant um, texting or calling or emailing, just, you know, harassing in that sort of way, stalking, um, throwing things, physical touch, physical, physical boundaries, sexual um, innuendos, sexual you know, jokes and touch and all of that. We're going to, we're going to cover our bases in there. Okay. So if they're getting too drunk and they're, they're pushing their, their boundaries, we want to be able to have a conversation. If they're having an attitude with us, if they're being, you know, just abusive and, and narcissistic sort of psychological ways we've got, we want to have a, um, a, a catch-all harassment clause in here to, to protect ourselves, not only in the planning process, but on the wedding day itself. Okay. And, you know, to be totally fair, I've never enforced harassment clause. So this is the blind leading the blind a little bit. But in thinking through objectively, you know, some of the things that I have done and conversation I, conversations I have had with clients to nip some things in the bud and the way I've reined some things in and redirected it, I've been able to get most of that back on track. There was really only one wedding that I feel like I could have left. I think one. Yeah. There's literally one wedding that I feel like I could have or maybe should have left. And and really it was um it was a technicality and I felt like it was better to stay and just address it. So anyway, we're gonna talk about addressing it. Okay. So I just want to acknowledge and understand and 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 say that I understand that I know this isn't easy and I um but I haven't been in every situation, right? Like we could be doing this for 20 years and it'd be different every time. So let's start with that. But yes, you need to have a, a harassment clause in your contract in the first place, right? Because again, this is not just the wedding day. This is planning too. Like they might just be pushy. Okay. And I think part of harassment needs to also include like not doing their part. And and, and that's that's probably a separate clause, but just make sure that that's covered in your contract. Because I think when they don't do their part and they miss their deadlines and we have to follow up on that. And that's when things start to get tense and terse and they start shifting their tone. And like, so just those got to go hand in hand, I guess is my point. But really beyond having that contract, it 
it, it does start with boundaries within the planning process. Okay. So if you're struggling with that or not sure, you know, how to do that, go ahead and grab either our wedding planning process kit and or our um, client management kit. Okay. It's called like wedding pro and client management. I think it is. And these are just, um, that kit is, is a set of templates, just helps navigate conversation through tension. And first and foremost, we want to prevent it, right? And then we want to get it back on track. We want to disarm it and, and rein that in and use language and wording that, like I said, reduces tension and validates feelings and, you know, sees the person on the other end and, but still is clear, okay? Because clear is kind, right? And so, those templates are very helpful and they're very successful. Um, they're a pretty proven set of templates. The wedding planning process kit itself, if you're a wedding planner listening to this, are going to be, that's a set of tools that from A to Z is your planning. Um, it's, it's from sales, onboarding, planning, rehearsal, wedding day execution, and offboarding. It's got everything, okay? It's how to do this. <laughs> uh, and it's got meeting agendas and the language you need for emails and, you know, how to set everyone up for success with like, this is who can attend this meeting and this is how meeting the, how long the meeting will be. And here's what's going to happen if it starts to run long. We have questions that have already been answered. And I mean, we're, we're communicating everything. All the expectations are made abundantly clear. And then the consequences are made abundantly clear. And then the workflow of enforcing the boundaries is in that kit for you. Okay. So grab that. Now, as you, you know, as you go, if you don't have that kit or, you know, you're a planner or a DJ and that, that wedding planning process kit would not necessarily apply to you. Just in general, the idea here is that if you've communicated an expectation, if you've communicated a boundary, then you have to enforce it because if you don't enforce it, they see, right? And like, if you give a mouse a cookie or if you give a mouse a, a what is it? A crumb, they want a cookie. So, or if you give a, no, if you give a mouse a cookie, they want a glass of milk. That's how it goes, okay? So if you give an inch, they want a mile. And you have to be mindful of that because they, sometimes they're not even being a jerk. It, it just, they just realize, oh, if I asked a question, they'll answer it, right? And 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 they just kind of build on that. And then all of a sudden there is tension because you're frustrated. And they're like, why are you frustrated? You've been doing this the whole time. I didn't, you know, and then they're frustrated with you because now you've like pulled it back. And so it's better to just enforce them as you go. And if you don't enforce one, explain why in that moment. So if you're sending an email after hours or on a holiday, say, hey, I had a brief moment to myself. I'm going to be pretty busy tomorrow. So I wanted to go ahead and get this out. I typically, you know, as you know, won't, won't be working in the evening. So just kind of state the boundary and why it's being in, uh, broken and that you will be going back to your boundary after sending that, okay? So be really clear on those things. Now, I think that, you know, also within a, in the um, funny planning process kit, I've got a tool called, it's a form um, called, what would you do? And this document is set up for the client to answer questions in advance as to how certain scenarios on the wedding days on the wedding day should be handled. So we've listed a bunch of different questions, a bunch of different scenarios, and then we provide the options for the solution so that they can, it's not open-ended where they're like, you as a wedding planner should do this, right? It's like, here are the options within the realm of my responsibilities and duties and what you've hired me to do. Uh, that I'm I'm willing to consider, try, select one. And then above and beyond that, there are some options that include like, I, as the wedding planner, I'm happy to go 
let you know and you can handle it or I'll let your dad know and he handles it or whatever it is. Like, so we've got options like that in there as well. And we also have the client identify a wedding day decision maker. Now the wedding day decision maker is really going to be our point of contact for any like troubleshooting or fires behind the scenes or tension, harassment, things like that. Okay. So if I have to make an executive decision and I want to keep that off the, like if there's something's going on, I don't want to bother the marriers with that, then I'm going to go to the wedding day decision maker and say, Hey, look, this is going on. How would you like this handled? And they are going to make that decision on behalf of the couple. Okay. There's more to that, but that's the premise and the gist. Now, so now I'll have this relationship with wedding day decision maker. And if I start to see harassment occur, then I'll, I'll go and identify that and say, Hey, look, here's what's going on. Here's how I've, I responded initially. Here's what I need you to do um, from here. And like, then just map out the process and all that stuff's going to be communicated with the wedding day decision maker in advance. Okay. Because in the final stages, what I want you to do is, is remind the client and, and, and hop on the, get on a call with the client and the wedding day decision maker, or at least send an email or something. There needs to be some communication wherein you are reviewing the harassment clause in that final stage, or even at the final walkthrough and to say, Hey, here are some things that tend to pop up and here's how it's going to be handled. And here's uh when day decision making here, are your options. And if, if this happens, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to say, Hey, I'm observing this, or this happened. You need to get in front of it in this way or whatever. Okay. And then if it's not resolved, via that conversation with the wedding day decision maker, what's the next step? You need to go ahead and identify that. And I think one thing that you might want to communicate in that final stages is say, hey, look, let's come up with a phrase. Here's a phrase that I'm going to use on the wedding day if it becomes an if anything becomes an issue, because I don't, I don't want to be like, hey, harassment clause, blah, blah, blah. It just gets like heavy and like um triggering, which I that word is obnoxious at this point, but like it just gets um it just feels it, it just it's uncomfortable, right? So I think a good code word might just be like, hey, we need to hit reset. Okay. So if I say on the wedding day, Hey, let's hit reset. That's, that's like, that's it. Hey, like we either hit reset or we don't reset or I leave. And, you know, you can say that in a kinder way in the final stages and talking to them, but yeah, if, that, if the reset doesn't happen, then the, the next step here is that we've going to exit. Okay. So that is, you know, most helpful if the attention's coming from the client, right. To say, Hey, let's reset. Now, if it's coming from you know, one of their family members or a friend or whatnot, you may not necessarily have to say that. You might just say, hey, this is happening. I don't want to create tension between the two of y'all, but also here's our process, okay? Warning, step two, I'm out. And if it gets tense, then yeah, pull in that phrase. But this is this is a process you're going to follow, whether it's the client or even a wedding pro that's doing it. Like they they hired that person. They are the boss, right? I'm there to facilitate and I'm there to oversee and, and whatnot. But if, if, if it turns in that way, and I've had that happen where I've had, I've had two weddings where harassment from other wedding pros occurred. Okay. And so, you know, there's a wedding day decision maker there that can say, Hey, look, you're fired. Go get out of here um, to that person or, Hey, keep it in check. Or, Hey, you need to come to me for, you know, be that buffer, right? Like, come to me for anything now moving forward and like to separate that relationship, give some options there. Okay. Now, before you have, you're going to, you're going to have these, these conversations with the wedding day decision maker. 
But before it gets to the point where you're going to leave, like if you know at this point, like, hey, I'm leaving, then go ahead and gather your things. That way it's not, um, that'll help avoid further tension or even damage to your items, your, your property as you're leaving, right? Like, because it may take you time to gather some of that stuff or they may be in different rooms and they have access to things. So go ahead and gather your things as much as possible prior to having that conversation, having that final, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm slipping out here at conversation. Okay. Make sure you also have identified someone that can take over, whether that be, um, you know, another wedding pro that's willing to do that. But again, this is not their job, right? Like you don't have to put that on them. You know, sometimes we just tend to help each other out, but like they don't have to do that. So be mindful in asking like what you're asking. Okay. But you might, uh, in your announcement to the wedding day decision maker, hey, I'm leaving, you you need to be prepared to hand off anything else. Or if it's that bad of a situation, then too bad. Like y'all have the papers, deal with it, right? Like, um, but try to have a little bit of transition if it's if it's feasible to do that. But do go ahead and gather your things. And then once you've informed the client, go ahead and inform the West, rest of the wedding pro peers if they're if that's appropriate or there's time um, and safety to do that. But if you're working with a team that you know and trust and work with a lot, you may want to go ahead and tell them before you tell the client. You just want to make sure that no one tells the client before you do, right? So that's kind of the rhyme to the reason and the layers there. But do what feels right. Uh, just keep in mind, like once you do say it, everything might fall apart. So you want to be ready to, <laughs> to just walk out the door and you might want to have something ready and prepared to send the wedding pros after the wedding instead uh, of that day and just say, hey, you know, um, and I've coached several planners through this and this has gone well. So I know this piece works is to say, hey, you don't want to go into the details. It's not your place. It's not appropriate to say, hey, as you can imagine, we do everything we can. It, it, it takes a lot for someone to, to make a decision to leave. I want to honor the privacy of all involved. Please know that I did not take that decision lightly. And I ask for your, your trust in the situation. And, you know, you'll, you'll come up with the right wording as you type that out, but just make sure that you don't share the details. You identify that, you know, it's a big deal. You, and then, yeah, you just ask for their, for their trust in the situation and, and say, Hey, look, I just, I want to, I, I, I respect the fact that I left and that might have created some inconvenience or chaos, even for you and your position. And I, I just wanted to acknowledge that you don't need to apologize for anything. Okay. So just acknowledge stuff and be mature in your wording and, and that'll go a long way. Okay. If you choose to stay though, you do need to have a conversation with the wedding day decision maker and, and maybe even the client at this point and have them initial that form or write something up and have them initial it where you've identified what's going on. You've identified that you've communicated, communicated it and that you have agreed to stay to the extent of what, and that from here, like that you're, you're removed from, they're not going to be complaining about that online or to, you know, you in an email after the wedding, like the stress of that ends that evening, right? Like you're, you're going above and beyond at that point, but there will be no more stress related to this after that evening. Okay. You don't want to hear about it again. Right. And if you stay again, I use the word buffer 
a minute ago, make sure you have a buffer, whether that's the wedding day decision maker or someone else on your team or another wedding pro, or just make sure that whoever's causing the tension does is aware that they don't have access to you anymore. Okay. Give them another point of contact. There are times, there are plenty of times at an event where there's been something going on. And I realize that there's just like, that person has a conflict with me for whatever it is. They've got some vendetta out for me. And if I just create the buffer of my assistant checking on them or being like kind of, and, and it, we didn't have to like turn it over, like, Hey, this is now who you'll go to, to complain. It was just, I just sent my assistant over to check on them. Right. And like, Hey, everything. Okay. I just want to make sure you got the things that you're asking for, how can I be helpful? And then from there on, that person just naturally wants to go to the assistant, right? And they're like, it's a good cop, bad cop. I don't know, are we allowed to say that anymore? I just said it, whatever. Um, and so they are going to, they're going to serve as a buffer for you, okay? And then and then things are fine. Then there's everything, everything works out. Um, last thing, I think that if you choose to stay, you need to also identify what's going on and verbalize it with at least, one of the wedding pros that's there and get a witness. And, you know, you have to be mindful that they're not going to want to get involved in the drama either. Like they don't want to attach their names to certain things or like get involved with he said, she said, and all of that. But like, if they're willing to initial that they saw it as well, then that can be helpful. So that's what I have for you today. I would love your input. If you've experienced this, please write in and let us know. I'd love to share your stories, but these are the things that I've implemented in certain different ways that have, uh, in fact, reined it in where I've never actually had to leave. But I do know that there are situations out there where you need to be leaving. And, and, and as a business owner, I, I want to encourage you to uh, empower your staff and your team to fill you know, like they can do that too. I've I had always, I've always told my staff, Hey, if you get there and you feel uncomfortable or they're doing this or other, call me, let me know I can show up and help or, you know, like, but leave, like, you don't have to, you don't have to go through this whole thing. Just leave and I'll deal with it later. Okay. So if someone, you know, there are different layers of harassment, there's like, this is annoying. And then there's like, you just crossed a line. You've, you've now, you know, you've, you've crossed a racial bigoted line or a physical boundary, like you, you've not touched me or spoken to me sexually, like some of those things just leave because it's not safe at that point. And then we'll deal with all the rest of it later. Okay. So if that's the case, actually, let's talk about that. If you just have to up and leave, I do think you need to tell somebody. Okay. So implement what you can of what we've talked about. Make sure, and if, if you feel like this is like danger, danger, then you're probably in a situation where you need to be calling 911 anyway. You need to be calling somebody or secure, contacting the security that's there um, in person. And I recommend if you have alcohol at a wedding, you need to have security. I would put that in your contract and require that. I've never gotten any pushback on that, ever. Um, if there's alcohol involved, there is security, period. And you can hire that through, um, you know, there are a lot of different security companies or you can hire a constable an off-duty constable and just like someone like plain clothesmen you know so that there's not this big intimidation factor or whatnot so you'll have to decide what's best for your headcount and for the people involved and what makes them feel safe um, as guests and you know because that's a whole thing um that's a whole topic in and of itself but make sure that you have someone that you can go to okay and say hey um i need you to address some of this i've had some alcohol situations where i just went straight to the hired security and they dealt with it or the venue dealt with it. And so based off of their policies. Now, um, if you straight up need to leave, then I would go 
pull that security aside or I would walk outside and, and call 311 or 911 and report what needs to be reported and, and, and find a safe place to wait for someone to come out and take a statement or whatever they whatever their process is, okay? Otherwise, I would just say leave, just leave. And, and yeah, make the phone call when you get home or whatnot. But I do think that, you know, a lot of that's gonna come down to what you feel comfort level wise. But I'll say having been, um, I've actually been physically assaulted um, in a bar, like choked in a bar. Um, and what I learned in that situation is that, yeah, you can file charges later, but it's better to do it in that moment. And you're most likely to regret you. A lot of times people are like, I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to cause a scene. And then later they regret it. Like that's the statistic. So like, just be okay with that. Like someone violated you. Why do you have to save face for them? It's not your problem. So um, try to get that reported. And then we can deal with the, the cleanup and the follow-up with the clients later on the back end. Hey, this is what happened. Whether you send a Loom, I would encourage sending a Loom video rather than an email. Um, and you may follow it up with an email, but I would maybe send both so that tone and whatnot is removed. And just let them know, hey, this is what happened. And, and don't use words like you or um, just try to make it as less um, pointed as possible, right? Like, because this might be like their best friend that did this, right? So you don't want to be like, just soften the words as much as you can so it doesn't feel like an attack to them or they're talking bad about someone else, even though you are. You're just being factual, right? But like, um, say, hey, we were in this situation and we... Um, had this altercation and we, as, as opposed to like, this person came at me and you can, you can still say that, but just like try to use the we's as much as, as do make sense before, um, you know, without having to take any fault or blame. Okay. That just, that delivery makes a huge difference. And then just let them know like, Hey, you know, we had talked in the final stages about what that process would be. This is why that wasn't utilized. And this is where, you know, here's the, the, the police report and they'll they'll be handling things from there or at this point you might just be sending your lawyer might just be sending the follow-up okay so if there's a police report involved it might just be that your lawyer follows up and they are the person of contact or you follow up and just say hey I wanted to send this police report to you if you have any questions let me know just keep it as simple as that Okay, so all these situations are going to vary, but these are the things you need to consider and think about and bounce around as um, as you navigate that. Okay, I want you to think about this as much as possible in advance before you get into the situation. Right? Again, if you have got if you have more experience with this, let us know. Write us. Write us. Let's do a follow up episode if we get some more information and ideas. All right. I um, hope this was helpful. If it was, like, share, and give us a review. We'll see you next time. Thank you.